Shannon, you you know Jeff pretty well, right? Uh, yes, I uh, think. So, number one, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, he gave me a ride <laughs> over to the hotel from the West Florida match inside the dungeon over there. So he threw me in the kidnapper van. Did you know he's got a, like a fake set of blonde hair, like a wig <laughs> in the van? Uh, you never know when that might come in handy, I reckon. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now that we got, I feel better now that I shared that with somebody else, Jeff. Go ahead. Steve, we're back with another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. You know, we start every one of these off with, uh, what have you been shooting? So, what have you been shooting? Jeff, after the Area 2, it took a week or so off, and then I've um, been back practicing. We've got uh, Alabama State, not this weekend, but next weekend, and then Mississippi two weeks after. So, trying to get back in game shape. Competition's getting tight out there. How about you, Jeff? What have you been shooting? Haven't been able to hit too many big matches, uh, local matches. Uh, I've been over to Frostproof, down to Hanson, over to Volusia. Our match last month got rained out. Um, doing a lot of practice, uh, really having a lot of fun with the centerfire pistols, and so been spending a lot of time on that. Um, but still, you know, getting the rimfire rifle and the PCC in there. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of guns and a lot of shooting, and we've got a special guest for our listeners tonight. Okay, I'm just going to run down just a little bit of his credentials. Three-time member of the United States IPSC World Shoe Team. He's a USPSA national champion. He's a U.S. Steel national champion. He's a Pro-Am national champion. He's an eight-time Florida State champion, champion, and he's got got all more more accomplishments than we can all think of. Do you know who it is? And he's a good-looking guy too. I do know Jeff. <laughs> it's Shannon Smith. It's Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Just to uh, correct my amazing resume, it's a two-time member of the World Shoot Team, but hopefully it'll be three this coming year. Well, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm an optimist, Shannon. So uh, we're going. Through. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting we in much better shape than I expected for a 46 year old guy hanging with these kids. Well, you know, yeah, uh, these... that was one of the questions. Go ahead, Steve. No, I was just gonna say, Shannon, it's uh it's all over the place. I know Christian's out there kicking butt, USPSA as well as Steel, and I'm trying to fend off these youngsters in the Steel Challenge game, and whoo. Man, I've had to cut some weight and, you know, like put some time practicing in. It's it's kind of rough out there. Yeah, I got some theories on that if you want to get into it later, but I, I know where you're coming from. Well, Shannon, let's just, let's just talk about that for a second. Um, for our listeners, um, I know I know it, and I think Steve does, but what are the qualifications requirements to make a world shoot team? Uh, it's changed over the years, but it's pretty simple now. We have four qualification matches, the two USPSA nationals in whatever division you're striving for, and the two IPSC, uh, US IPSC nationals. And those are both in the two years preceding the World Shoot year. So World Shoot's every three years. So, for example, next year is the World Shoot in 2020. Um, so the... Uh, IPSC Nationals and the USPSA Nationals from uh, 19 and 18 are your qualifier matches. And it's scored uh, percentage overall in division. 
and they throw out your worst one. So your three best scores of four matches totaled up by percentage. So if you shoot 93%, you get a 93. And uh, top four guys make the team in division. And it also varies on what divisions they recognize because they've got uh, the best I understand that they have a set budget for each location. For example, next year is in Thailand, so that's going to be significantly more expensive to get there than, say, 2014 when it was in the United States. Um, so they may not recognize a whole bunch of divisions, you know, maybe not a lot of category teams and some stuff like that. So that changes, but, you know, I'm, I'm going for the men's open team and they always, they're always recognizing the, the top guys. So that's the, uh, that's the deal. So I'm sitting pretty good. We've got three matches done. The next, the last one is next month in Utah. And, uh, I'm in, I'm in the hunt more, more in the hunt than I thought I was. I figured, I figured the last world shoot would be my last go around at, uh, at 44. So. Again, as you said, it's tough to hang with these kids, but I'm old and uh, crotchety, and I'm still hanging. <laughs> well, you, you still got to be fast, and you still got to shoot alphas, and you, and you tend to do both of those quite well. So, um, I, you know, I followed your, uh, I followed the world shoot uh, uh, day by day, and uh, uh, was excited for you. And I know you were excited on the fact that um, on on last year's uh, on the last world shoot team. Uh, your score actually counted towards the team score. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were the gold medal winning team. Yep, both correct. And uh, there were, those, were, those were two goals of mine. Uh, they, they count the top three of, of four guys on the team, and that's not discounting uh, the fourth guy by any means because it could have very easily been me. But uh, they do that for a couple of reasons. You know, God forbid somebody gets DQ'd or gun breaks or something, you're still getting a legitimate a legitimate run and so of course you know you want to be you want to be one of the guys that gets counted of course and i was fortunate i didn't shoot well i, I was a very poor performance in my opinion but uh, good enough to count for the team and the team get the gold that was the main thing well i remember listening to one of your podcasts and you talked about how you know you called the juice uh but you you felt like you were a little little nervy and then when you you know you had a, a bad stage and when you finally went well, I'm just going to shoot and have fun. You kind of loosened up, and it started coming together uh, by the end of the match, correct? Yep, exactly. And uh, that's – you guys experience this in big matches, and the way I describe it is until you're comfortable at that level, you're going to have the juice, and managing that juice is something that you can't practice. I don't think – I've not found any way to practice that. You've got to be put in that situation. Uh, so for – a quick example, you know, when you go out and shoot your first match ever at the WAC or at Frostproof or wherever your local club is around the country, you're probably pretty damn nervous. Once you've shot your, shot your you know, 500th match 10 years in local level, you're not really nervous anymore. At least I'm not. It's just going out and shooting on Sunday. and ain't, ain't nothing but a thing. And then state-level matches, you know, your first one feels different than your 15th area level and national level and that just goes up so you know i'm not nearly as nervous at a state match as i am at a national match and i feel like i handle it pretty well at national matches now but at the world level you know i've only shot uh four four world world championships and i don't really count the one in the u.s because i was running the thing so that was my focus not the shooting uh, so i just don't have a lot of experience at that level and i that's what i attribute it to not that that's an excuse but um, you know, all, all pressure self-induced. I put a lot of pressure on myself thinking that, you know, this is going to be the last time I was going to make a world shoot team. And 
I know the first open team I've been on, the team prior to that was uh, standard or what we call limited around here. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of pressure on myself, and I just didn't didn't perform well. But uh, then, as used to happen back in the day at national championships with me, is once you make a mistake or two, then men- mentally yeah, I get this mentality that, well, you, you screwed it up now, you're out of the match, and boom, that pressure is lifted, and I shot very well the rest of the week. But, you know, it was that self-induced pressure, and once I relieved myself from that, I shot well, you know, too little, too late for the performance that I wanted, but still enough to, you know, 12th in the world is nothing to be embarrassed about, but I know I'm capable of better than that. Hey, Shannon, I want to talk a little bit about what what you were talking about just a couple minutes ago. Let let me, uh, let's explore the, the kid or the junior shooter theory or these folks that are not in a protected class like myself and yourself and certainly Jeff. So tell me a little bit more about what's your theory about these kids. Um, so I I get the occasional student, as you guys know, I teach for teach for a living and I get the occasional student that wants to be a champion shooter, wants to be a professional shooter, wants to be a world shoot team member or whatever. Um, more often than not, this, this occasional student is 30, 35, 40 years old, maybe. And, you know, I tell him a story. You take a KC CBO, for example, which is a good example because he crosses both steel and USPSA. Um, you know, to, to make a long story short, you know, his dad had him dry firing at, at seven years old in 1911. And I'm not going to get the story exactly right, but had him, he dry fired for like a year or two before his dad would let him shoot a match. Then he let him come out and shoot a match. And at, you know, nine years old, he's, he's winning local level matches. Uh, 10 years old, he's shooting on the national level. Uh, I, the first time I saw him was at the, the um, World Speed Shooting Championships in Piru in 2000. He was 11 years old. He had hair down below his <laughs> The compensator of his Limcat open gun was below his <laughs> knees. <laughs> and he was, on the, he was on the super squad. Now, this is back in the Steel Challenge days when there was, you know, one division, merely a couple divisions, limited in revolver maybe, but... Um, but he was, you know, top 10 against, and this is when everybody played, you know, Rob Latham and, and Barnard and, and Enos and, and, and everybody. And so flash forward to, that was 11, this is uh, 19. Oh, I'm sorry, that was 2000, this is 19. So he's been competing at the national level with the best in the world for 20 years, right, 19 right. years. right. And, and he's only 20 something years old. Uh, he might be 30 now, but he, he's freaking young. So, you know, he has the same level of experience that I have, but he's 15 years younger than I am. Right. And so I tell these students, like, that's what you're up against, man. I don't want to bust your, but you don't have a snowball chance in hell. <laughs> like it's not going to, it's not going to happen. And you, you can get way better. And you can compete at the national level, and you can have a great time in the sport. You can play the sport till you're 80 something, which is awesome. But, bro, you know, no. And the, in KC, the rare scenario. So I've seen a hundred kids like this in in my years of competing. And I also tell these students, like, I probably wouldn't recommend you be a professional shooter for your for your career. You know, go <laughs> yeah. go to engineering school and and get a good job and and make some money. Um, but what happens to these phenoms? And I don't know Christian that well. I mean, I, I know him to say hi, and I was in a junior camp with him, some stuff like that. I did hear a podcast with him on somebody, on somebody else's podcast. He was in school now, which is awesome. 
Um, but what happens with these phenoms, and I've seen tons of them, and they get to be 14, 15, 16 years old, and they're really good, master level, you know, knocking on the door of being competing at national level, and then boom, you hit that age, 17, 18, and now what are you going to do? You know, they'd either they either find a girlfriend and get a car, and go have fun, or they get off of daddy's money, <clears throat> can't afford the sport anymore, or they go off to college, or some combination of the above, all of which are probably better things than shooting for the rest of your life. And then I've seen many of them come back when they're 32 with, you know, one and a half kids and a white picket fence and a mortgage, and they've, they've lost it. You know, they're out. The, the, the world champions are the guys that never have that gap. And the only way to not have that gap is to get picked up. You know, most of them go the AMU route. Those are the easiest examples to cherry pick from. That's your Travis Tomasi, Max Michelle, Casey CBO, Shane Coley, I mean, Julie Galab. You know, that's where they all went. They never had that gap of going off to do whatever. Then they get picked up by a, a big name sponsor, and, that, and that's your world champions for the next 20 years. You know, and that's and that's the cycle. So, you know, on the on the kids coming up, I, I say just hang in there, man. Just hang in there. They're going to have to get a job at some point, and they'll be gone. <laughs> man, Shannon, Je- Jeff, and I've talked a lot about that. There's a couple, a uh, couple of GoFundMe accounts for a couple of these juniors just to get them, uh, you know, a six-inch lift and some 35-inch uh, tires. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned a lot of them. We mentioned to a lot of them that you know, find a girlfriend. Oh yeah, you're 16 now. Dad, buy him a car. <laughs> That's help. right. Yeah, definitely. So, it'll it'll happen with with 99 percent of them. It'll happen. You, you mentioned something, and, 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 and I've taken classes with you, and, and you, you consider yourself a shooting professional, not a professional shooter. And I think I know what the difference is, but why don't you explain that to, the, to our, our – you make your living in the shooting world, but you don't make it from shooting. Right. And, you know, when somebody I don't know asks me what I do for a living, I say I'm a professional shooter just because that sounds cool and they don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, those in the know, no. You know, there's, you know, how many NASCAR jerseys do you see running around the local matches or the major matches? And uh, nobody, nobody wearing those jerseys are making a living from shooting. <clears throat> so I, I explain it like, if you know the difference between a, a professional golfer and a golf pro, mm-hmm. that's the difference. And, you know, your golf pro is a really good golfer. Some of them are even on, on the lower level tours or maybe some of them even get their tour card for a year or two and then maybe lose it for a year or two. You know, but they make their living running the running the pro shop at Augusta National or running the pro shop at at the Trump course or whatever, and uh, they teach. And that's kind of the same with me. You know, I, I've we have a three tiered, or I have a three tiered approach for for what I do for a living. I, I you know work for and and partners in Universal Shooting Academy, so we make our money from hosting matches, competitions, from teaching, and we teach quite a bit. And then from shooting. So, I, you know, the main reason I go out and shoot, aside from the fact that I love it, is just keep your name out there and get name recognition. And, you know, people are, <clears throat> are not going to come train with you if you're not out there doing well. And that's across the board. You know, we work a lot with some, some high-level government agencies, and they're coming to us for the same reasons because we're the, we, I, are the, some of the best competition shooters in the world. And <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what they want to learn. You know, they want to learn how to shoot better they're assuming that a guy that's one of the top level competition shooters in the world is pretty good. 
And so that's that's where they come. So that's that's where I get the shooting professional, as opposed to a Rob Latham or Max Michelle, um, who you know are solely getting a check to to go out and compete. And there's very 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 few people in the world that are that are in that in that regard. Very few. Je- Jesse uh, would would be one, but again, very very few of them. Hey, Shannon, let me ask you, you know, we, we try to ask the guests that are shooters that are on our podcast to, to give the listeners a shooting tip, maybe something that was an aha moment as you were uh, growing up throughout the competitive shooting world. What's, what's a good shooting tip that you can share with others that, you know, maybe isn't uh, readily apparent for folks? Uh, um. The readily apparent part gave me pause, but Sorry. Uh, I'm 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 pretty simple, man. I'm a I'm a redneck from West Virginia, and I, and I break things down into the most basic level, and you know the biggest success for me, the biggest aha moment for me, was hit the <laughs> that you're shooting at, and it just comes down, <laughs> it just comes down to fundamentals of marksmanship, and there's people out there doing movement classes. I'm some movement specialist and. You know, I'm not saying, and I'm talking USPSA really, obviously, more than sure. Steel Challenge, but um, I'm not saying that's not important because it certainly is, but none of that matters if you don't hit what you're trying to hit when you get there. Right. And to, to relate it to Steel Challenge, uh, I would be willing to bet that if you shoot five times on five to go, that's going to be faster than shooting seven times on five to go. So, you know, I, I use different foot placements in my stance. My stance is is crazy different different for steel challenge versus USPSA. And I think all that helps. I think all that's important. Transitions are obviously important. Draw is obviously important, but helping the new guy out or the, or the middle of the road, pretty good guy out uh, is going to be better served by fundamentals marksmanship and hitting what you're aiming at the first time. That's going to be the biggest uh, avenue to improve your scores. And if, if you got time for a, two-minute story um when i first when i first moved out to universal like i I used to shoot i always shot the steel nationals i only went out to pyru one time Uh, i was actually leaving the army in washington state and i'd been shooting some steel challenge out there i was the the king of the hill out there which is a whole nother story but anyway i I swung through pyru on the way home to west virginia to hit the steel nationals that's the only or the the steel world shoot uh, world speed shooting that's the only time I've, I shot out there in Pyro. But I, once I started the Steel Nationals here uh, over in Titusville, I used to always always go shot, always went and shot that. But I never practiced. I didn't have anywhere to practice Steel Challenge. Uh, I don't know what sparked the craze in Steel Challenge in the last five years here or seven years here. Uh, but in the early 2000s, it wasn't like that. I mean, there was no local steel matches. Uh, you, nobody had it set up. Like, there was no way to practice it. So I'd go over to... Uh, Titusville for the for the nationals on Wednesday they had practice available so I'd you know I'd shoot Wednesday Thursday Friday and then practice and then shoot the match on the weekend and that was it well when I first came out to Universal uh, they had added on if you're familiar with the range all those southern bays were were built specifically for the Steel Challenge World Shoot that came here and so they had all the stages set up well when they're all set up it makes it pretty easy to practice them so <laughs> I would go out. I would go out getting ready for the for the nationals that year, and Manny Bragg was working with me at the time there, and we we put in some work, man. We 
you know, a couple, three weeks out, we started hitting three, four runs a day, a couple runs in the morning, a couple runs in the afternoon, different divisions. And, uh, lo and behold, I got, I got gooder when I was shooting it a lot. And one thing that I started doing was logging. We didn't have the tablets back then. It was, everything was on paper. So when I was writing down my scores, I would log any extra shot that I took that I had to keep. So if it was a throwaway string, I didn't count that. But any strings I had to keep, if I had an extra shot on that string, I made a note of that. And I'd put a one and circle around it, two and circle around it, whatever. And so I started tracking that data and, and adding it up at the end of the at the end of the match. And uh, this is going to shock you, but the least extra shots I had to keep in a match, the lower my overall score was. Right, right. And you talk about an aha moment, that was probably it. Because you see in black and white, you can't refute the data. And I was like, damn. So then I went out to strive to, you know, shoot a clean match, no extra shots on all eight stages. And that's probably going too far. You know, like you're good. If, if, if you offer me a million bucks to go out there and not have an extra shot, I could easily do that. But that wouldn't be a score that's going to be competitive in the match, you know? Right. Right. See, there's, there's a, there's a balance in there, but that was the biggest thing to me is like, once I saw that on paper, it's like, you don't have to go so hard, man. You just have to hit stuff that you're aiming at. And that's the year I went out and won the steel nationals in, in Ironside division. And that's probably not a coincidence, you know, a, the fact yeah. I practiced, but B the fact that I figured out you're, you're good enough. You're fast enough, man. You just got to aim at the middle and hit it the first time. That's the biggest thing in steel challenge, but shooting in general, you know, hit stuff the first time. That's, that's going to be the easiest thing you can do. Well, not easy, but the best thing you can do, to improve your overall score in whatever you're shooting. Well, you know, I, I'm, as I uh, said early on, I've been shooting a lot of iron sight pistol lately in steel. And while I'm not as fast as you are, it's still one for one are always going to be the best runs I can put down at my skill level right now. So that actually translates to all skill levels. Um, and then, absolutely, you know, as you, as you, as you begin to, uh, again, break down the fundamentals of marksmanship, you know, grip, stance, trigger press, everything else that's involved in that, and then you get to transition faster and your eyes get faster. And I've always said that, you know, this is a learned skill and a diminishable skill. And, and you know, your point about practicing, you, you, you honed your skill. You put the time in. And, you know, I'm guessing, you know, six months after, if you hadn't shot any steel, you went back out, you wouldn't be at the same level because you hadn't been doing it. And, uh, for sure, for sure. You yeah. know, you know, and I think that's a lot of what a lot of people think is they just need to go out there and go fast and they end up specifically in steel. They end up missing so much or in USPSA. Oh, here's some, here's some targets I can take on the move and they take them on the move and it's Charlie Delta or Delta Mike. And yeah, they were fast, but they didn't hit anything, <laughs> you know? So, um, to your point, you can't you know, tell that you can't tell that on Instagram though. <laughs> oh yeah their video their videos look awesome you know that's, that's i always said steel steel you know you you watch steel on a video you know whether they hit it or not it's uh it's not like right. for the paper game so well you know you talked about um you know you do a lot of training there um give yourself a little plug for for how people can get in contact you for for training uh sure any of the social media avenues uh universal shooting academy is our company. We're located in Central Florida. Uh, easy drive from Orlando or Tampa. 
but I, I run all the social media for us. So Facebook, Instagram for under universal. And then I have my own brand, Shannon Smith shooting also Facebook, Instagram, uh, just give me a call, you know, email or, or reach out through social media. I, um, unfortunately don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of weekends. It's been, uh, this is my busy training season because uh, it's, a, it's a slow match season in the summertime here in Florida, but we're about to uh, get crazy. So USPSA Nationals kick off next month, or actually this month in a couple of weeks uh, in Utah. And then um, we have all of our fall matches here, monster match and the Nationals are coming. And then we got area six multi-gun and then boom, we're into January and we got Florida state, Florida open and, and the multi-gun Nationals. So unfortunately I don't have a whole lot of time to train. Uh, the time I do have, I usually set aside for uh, government contracts, but, but by all means, give me a call, man. If I can fit you guys in, I'll fit anybody in. And uh, a lot of times what I do, especially once you've gone through uh, my basic, my basic course and gotten my level one, even though that's not what I call it, but you know, gotten my fundamentals down. So we're, we have the same terminology. Uh, what I do with a lot of folks is, uh, we'll just do practice days, and so we'll use it as a, a recurring student uh, training situation, training day. Uh, for example, uh, the, U the USPSA Open Nationals are uh, at, the end the, at the end of the month, so my training practice actually started yesterday. Uh, I was supposed to was supposed to hit it today, but I took today off because of the the um, world-ending hurricane that was coming. So I stayed home, <laughs> stayed home with the family and. <laughs> drank beer in the pool all drank beer in the pool all day. It was actually a beautiful day here in Central Florida. Uh but tomorrow I'll be back at it and you know, shooting every day between now and the nationals. So uh, a lot of times I'll do that as a as a class supplement. But you gotta get in you gotta get in first to to get the uh get get the the uh good stuff down and figure out what I'm talking about. But uh just yeah, give me a holler and, and the further out we can schedule the better and if you can do weekdays, that's a lot better chance of getting in on me than, than the weekends with all the local and uh and big matches going on here and abroad that i'm going to i just don't have a whole lot of weekends available anymore so steve you don't shoot much uspsa uh, no no i don't I, jeff it's actually been about two years since i shot a uspsa match since i dove pretty hard into steel challenge well do you do you know do you, do you know any of the background of the monster match no i do not jeff oh it is last so it's eight stages 50 rounds a stage, uh, and I've actually seen people go out there and shoot it with a single stack or a revolver, which is insane. Um, I like the PCC because you can, I've got that 57 rounder, so you don't have to reload still. But, uh, you know, Shannon sets up a lot, of, a lot of challenging stages, but every year there's one stage, usually a steel stage, that's got a twist. So, Shannon, I think it was two years ago you did the inverted uh, table. Was that, was that two uh, years I think, ago? Yep. I think more than that, but yeah. Yeah. So we did yeah, that. There was, that there was an inverted Peter hangups uh, yeah. inversion thing. There was uh, one where you shot uh, a while on a treadmill, a running treadmill. Um, and last year's was, was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, there was a field of about 60 pieces of steel, all painted orange. And you shot through orange uh, caution fencing, um, and with a red dot, it was uh, it was quite an experience. 
<laughs> so uh, you got a good one coming up this year, Shannon. You got one in the in the. You got one uh, that's going to get everybody. We we do. I'm running out of ideas. I have um, <laughs> a lot of crazy ideas, and it usually takes uh, on average six to eight years to figure out how to do what I want to do. So we're still working on my my next crazy idea. But we have a good one for this year. It's something we've never done before. Nothing. No treadmills, no upside down stuff, but um, some weird positions, some hanging on ropes, and something something we haven't done before. So I'm, I'm happy about that. <clears throat> oh, one year I, I didn't shoot it, uh, but I saw the video off the uh, Monster Match uh, website. Um, you actually shot from the back of a moving golf cart. Yep. Uh, the golf cart drove away from the from the targets. We, we, we've shot while you're hanging upside down and we've shot some a moving vehicle and we've shot some a running treadmill. So it gets kind of hard to upstage yourself. And I've got, uh, I got one that we've been working on for literally seven or eight years, but we haven't figured out how to engineer it yet. So, but we'll get there. We did the moving wall, I think two years ago. And, uh, that was the original steel stage idea. So it was a eight foot wall with a port in the middle. And all rounds had to be fired through the port, but the eight-foot wall was on a track connected to a winch, and was moving laterally down the range. So you had to move along with it oh, while you're engaged okay. in 70, 70 pieces of steel through through a port. And uh, so that was an idea from years and years back, and it just took us forever to figure out how to do it and be able to afford to to build the crap. Well, don't uh, so I got another. One. I got another one like that. We haven't done it yet, though. Cool. Well, don't forget to integrate that casket I gave you last year. Uh, oh, we, forgot, man, right. we, forgot to, we forgot to bring it out. We, we, uh, I transported it over there, and uh, we got done with the match, and Shannon went, oh, crap, we didn't use the casket. <laughs> Jeff, I don't I will, even want to know where. This year. <laughs> I don't even want to know where the hell you got a casket from. Well, it wasn't really a casket, but Shannon will make it look like one. <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I won't forget a, this time. <laughs> So, you know, you said, you said you've been shooting for 20 years, uh, 20 years plus, um, and you've shot every division in USPSA. Um, you've shot a number of the divisions in steel. And, you know, I know you're, you're you know, uh, going, you know, for the, the World Shoot Team in Open. I mean, is Open necessarily your favorite division, or, or, or do, you, do you really, I mean, when it really comes down to it, you know, you really enjoy it. We just had the... Uh, uh, the all production match here at the WAC, and you came over and uh, and shot that. Um, is what division really is is your passion? Is it open? Is it limited? Is it single stack? Which one do you really really enjoy shooting? Probably open. I mean, I I, I like most divisions. That I don't really care for production. Um, I really dislike the ten round magazine limit. But I shoot a ton of Glocks. You know, almost all my training classes, all my tactical classes, I shoot Glocks. So, you know, going to a production match, <clears throat> probably not a lot of people think of me as a production shooter, but I'm pretty comfortable behind the Glock. Uh, it's just a 10-round thing that, that trips me up, and I don't, I don't really care for that. Um, you know, probably single stack is one of my favorites just because of the history and the roots and the... Um, the importance of the gun in our sport. But the main reason I don't compete in that is there's nobody does, you know, so you go to, you go to a major match and you win. Great. You beat, you beat the other three people that shot single stack. So <laughs> yeah. I've always, I've always wanted to be, I'm a competitor first. So I, 
you know, to steal a quote from one of my students. I don't, I don't care if I'm playing my grandmother in checkers. I want all our goddamn checkers. So I'm always out there. I'm always out there to compete. So I've always wanted to be in one of the bigger divisions, which was limited for a long time. And I shot limited for a whole lot of years. Uh, so that's obviously got a place in my heart. Um, but it, most people don't know I was an open shooter before I was a limited shooter. And so open's always got a place in my heart too. And I look at open, like, you know, we're out here to race. So if I'm going to go to race, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring a Yugo and see who the fastest Yugo guys are. You know, I want to bring the Ferrari and I want to be the best. I want to be the fastest and you know, the, the, the quickest guy around the track is the winner. And that's where I want to run. So, you know, probably open, I would have to say is my favorite just because the sheer speed of the game, but full disclosure, you know, I just turned 46 and, you know, my eyes are real, are starting to give me just starting, but starting to give me a little bit of problems and shifting that focus back to the front sight at the speed that I'm accustomed to is not really happening anymore. Uh, so I'm fighting that a little bit. So I'll probably be a dot guy from, from here on out. You know, I'll, I'll always play limited. I'm, I'm going to shoot the limited nationals this month uh, just because I'm there and it's a, it's a back-to-back format. You know, I'm mainly concentrating on open, but I'm out there anyway. So I'm going to go compete. You know, I'll always, I'll always run the Glocks. So I'll always shoot the production stuff. Um, but probably, probably opens, you know, where I'm going to, going to stay for a while. The only downside of that is, man, it's fast. Oh and yeah. It's getting faster. It's like you said that, yeah, the kids are getting faster and, um, you know, the whole back to the hitting stuff keeps me competitive, you know, cause I don't make that many mistakes, but I'm not as fast as the fast guys anymore. You know, luckily the fast guys tend to make mistakes and that's what keeps me competitive. So we'll see how long it'll go, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question, but you know, I, li- I like a lot of the divisions, no, but uh, right now, right now opens where it's at. Shannon, I know you've been around the game quite a few years. Um, can you, uh, offer a little bit of insight on your viewpoint on sponsored shooters. I know you talked a little bit about some of these guys that are wearing jerseys at matches that are helping support brands, but maybe not have a full-time gig. Cause you and I met is, it was a long time ago. I'm sure you don't remember, but I shot the 2012 world speed shoot when I was down in Frostburg. That's when I just really started shooting. I was like, Oh, there's a major match. Let me go shoot a world speed shoot um, down in Florida. And it seems like, you know, there's only a couple couple people wearing jerseys down down there. And nowadays, there's a lot of people wearing jerseys. What are your thoughts? Because I, I don't recall you wearing a jersey or there was, you know, one or two sponsors on it at the time. Uh, yeah. Man, I don't know. You know, like, number one, you know, live your life, bro. You know, I don't care what anybody does. None, none of it's bothering me. Um, there's people out there who say they're, you're representing something you're not and blah, blah, blah. I, I could give two rats about that. Uh, you know, my stance has always been like, I want to be, I'm there to compete. You know, I want to be, I want to go up against the best. I want to beat the best. There's no, there's nobody in this game that I know of that I haven't beat. And, you know, I take, I take pride in that and I'm out there to compete. So I'm going to use the best gear that is out there. I don't care what it costs. I'm, I mean, I'm, sure. I'm going to buy the best stuff available. And, I don't know what the deals are out there. I don't know what these people are getting. I, I know they're not getting a paycheck that much. I guarantee you. Right. Um, you know, you might get a match fee and, and six bottles of oil and, or maybe you get a, uh, a, a gun and, and 
you know, 5,000 rounds in ammo or something. I don't know. But I've just never wanted to be in that position where I have to use something because I'm under contract and I don't feel it's the best thing out there. The, the sponsorships I would have jumped on would be an ammo sponsorship and a travel or airline sponsorship. Right, that's, right. that's where my fees are. You know, that's where my expenses are over the years is ammunition and travel. You know, my, yeah, my guns are expensive, but, and my guns are taken care of. Thanks to a, a awesome one, the one awesome sponsor I do have in Millennium custom. And, and he doesn't, he doesn't even let me call him a, my sponsor or let me say he's, he sponsors me. We're just, we're just friends and he takes care of me. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's cool. But you know, I've been, I, I've been with Derek for at least 15 years and, you know, he builds the best guns out there, and that's why I use them. I don't use them because he helps me out on the guns. I use them because they're the best. If he didn't help me out on the guns, I would buy them from him. A gun costs what? I mean, I'm, I shoot the most expensive guns in the world. They're, I don't even know what he charges for them, six, $7,000 or more. Sure, sure. Uh, but you know, I, would, I would gladly stroke a check for that and not have to uh, you know, use something you're not comfortable with just to say that you do because that's not the biggest expense. I mean, yeah, the guns are crazy expensive, but if you know, you guys know, if you're going to get into this game, you guys are, you guys shoot 17 guns in the matches sometimes. <laughs> if, you, if you're, if you're going to get into this sport, yes, it seems like that's expensive, but that's not what your costs are, man. Your, your costs um, are in, yeah, in ammo. And, and for me, travel is, you know, if you're going to travel the world or travel the country, hitting big matches, you know, you'll spend the, the cost of a gun in, in one weekend at a, at a big match. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of everybody else, I've, I've got no problems with it, man. It's, if they're, if they're getting a little help out and maybe they're in a financial position where, you know, if, if you're getting 500 rounds of ammo or something that, that makes the difference in whether you can play the game or not play the game. That's awesome, bro. You know, I, I got no problems with that at all. Knock, knock stuff out. And as far as the shirts, I think they've just gotten less expensive. That's in, in more available. You know? <laughs> there, there was no tech wear. Yeah, there was no techwear when I started. You know, we wore cotton shirts with embroidery on the back, and it was a million degrees. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> That's we what we rolled with. Steve and I both shoot for the Steel Target Paint Shooting Team, but I've always joked that I'm going to get a techwear shirt with a picture of my wallet on the back of it, and it's going to say my sponsor. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's who ends up, you know, paying for it. I'm, I'm proud to be part of the team, but, you know, and it goes back to what you said uh, earlier, you know, about 18, you know, the kids got to decide, uh, well, I don't have daddy's money anymore. Maybe I got to go out and get a job and, and, and be a contributing member of society, and then I'll come back to shoot. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, as, as hobbies go, I mean, I, I have not had – um, I was going to say I've not had many, but I could probably just say I've not had any hobbies in my life other than this. And, uh, you know, eventually turned it into a career. But, you know, as hobbies go, it's not that expensive of a hobby. You know, if you're into, you know, skydiving or scuba diving or golf, um, you know, we're on, we're on par with, with everything else in the world that you're going to spend your free time and your free money on. And it's all on what level you're at. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to hit a major match a month and, three locals a week. Well, yeah, man, you're going to be spending quite a bit of money annually at, at this. And, but the same thing with golf, if you're going to go on a golf trip once a month and play three rounds a week with your buddies, it's, it's the same thing, man. Actually probably more <laughs> for golf. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I did, I think Steve and I talked about it on one of our podcasts and it's like, you know, everybody gets up, up in arms about you know, like match fees. 
And um, when you really break down the cost of of what it takes to go away for a weekend, and in our case, you know, sometimes shooting, you know, well, maybe not 17, but you know, at least six guns. Uh, you know, your 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 match your match fee still ends up only being about 25 percent of your total costs. You know. Uh, you know, you're, you're on the road, so you're either traveling there or you're, ga- you're spending gas to get there. Uh, you know, you're eating out uh, at, uh, at every meal. Uh, you got a hotel. Well, and, and, that, and I know. think you need to, and I would, I would relook your math because maybe, <clears throat> maybe still challenges more because you have more guns you have to pay match fees for. But, you know, I also factor in, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the national championship. So between now and, I'm actually leaving early because I got to go out and help them set the damn thing up because I'm an idiot and agreed to it. But, <laughs> you know, but you're between get to now see, and the six. But wait, wait, Shin, you're yeah. going to get to shoot the match beforehand, right? Just like you do. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Shoot all week. <laughs> but, you know, between now and when I leave, I'm probably going to shoot five or more thousand rounds, maybe seven thousand rounds. Yeah. So yeah. you got to factor that in, and. Yeah, so it's. I think the match fees are way less than twenty five percent. But but you're right, and you know that's back to sponsor thing. Well, they cover my match fees. That's awesome, man. That's I'm, that that's great. But again, to me, that's such an infinitesimal amount of the money that I spend in the sport. You know, I'm not gonna hang somebody's name on a jersey to to cover my match fees. But you know, to somebody else, maybe that's that's super important, and I've got no problem in the world with that. Right. Well, you know, we, we, we've talked about the guns you shoot and the one that, uh, that didn't come up and, and you just ran your PCC Palooza. Uh, and congratulations on that. That's really growing by leaps and bounds last couple of years, and as, as is that division. Uh, but the Universal Shooting Academy has, is going to host the 2020 USPSA PCC JP Nationals. The match is only going to have PCC in it. Uh, What's yep. your take on what's your take on that? I mean, is this something where you know, in the past, the PCC has always been shot with with one of the optic guns, uh, uh, or or in an optics match where other guns are being shot. Where this is a match that's going to be, I'm assuming, very tailored to what is going to challenge PCC shooters. Uh, do you think that's going to happen? Absolutely, and. Uh, I am a PCC fan. I know there's a lot of PCC haters out there, but I, I'm a fan. And I don't think um, one of the objections of the division has been you have to modify your stage designs now because you have to account for PCC. And I don't agree with that at all. I've, I've never modified a stage design uh, because PCC uh, is a division. So big fan of it. I think it's great. Um, you know, where I, I tell everybody it's, it's United States practical shooting, not United States pistol shooting. So, you know, an AR style gun is a practical gun. And I think we should be proficient in running one, one of those as well. Uh, the nice thing about a standalone nationals is yes, you can tailor it to that gun. Just like when we have an open carry optics nationals, I build the stages differently than if it were a single stack and revolver nationals. Um, Absolutely, I build the stages differently uh, to tailor to that gun. Now, if you got a you know wide open nationals run what you brung all divisions, well then you build you build general stuff. Uh, so for the PCC, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I think we'll be able to do some cool stuff. We'll definitely get some distance in there. The um, 
only things I've got to, I'll have to figure out and I'll have to butt heads with USPSA a little bit on this. Um, or they'll just tell me I can't do it, which is probably the way it'll go. But the things we did at PCC Palooza, for example, was we had non-reactive steel uh, that we called on the audible, like we would do in three gun. Um, so, a, you know, 70 yard uh, gong that you just ding it. Uh, that's not legal by USPSA, by USPSA rules and probably will still not be legal by USPSA rules when the national comes around. Uh, but that's some things I'll ask. That's some things I'll ask them. You know, we have, you know, we have visual indicators, for example, LED blinkers that we use for three gun. Is that something we could do? Would that, would that make it legal? Um, but regardless, we'll definitely have some distance involved. However, we have to do it. You know, we use a we used a plate rack at at Palooza at 60 or 70 yards, um, which was which was a super good test for the rifle. But you know, I would never use a plate rack in a um, in a USPSA match because of the rule set. If you edge a plate and it doesn't fall. You know, by rule, that's a range equipment failure, reshoot, NIPSIC, which is why I never use plate racks. Uh, but again, for the Palooza, we we edge the rules a little bit there, and we just say, "Suck it!" You know, don't fall into this. <laughs> <knock it down. laughs> my my, my rules, right? My exactly. Race, my rules don't like and no, and, and, <laughs> Exactly, and and no normal person has a problem with that. But again, it's a national championship. There's a rule book. You got to abide by it. Um, so I don't know if it'll get away. If I'll be able to get away with things like that. But uh, if not, well, I'll just put seven poppers out there and we'll get a golf cart and to go down and set them up. You know, we'll, we'll figure out something. But we'll definitely, we'll definitely have some distance involved. We'll have some odd positions. Um, Palooza, we, we force you to a left to an off-handed shoulder position. Definitely expect some of that. Um, you know, you some low might, port. Uh, do you think they might, uh, for, because it is going to be a, uh, a PCC only match, that they might, Rate, uh, uh, open up on the uh, eight-round neutral stages or eight-round neutral positions, or do you think they're going to stick with the eight-round? Um, yeah, they will, but um, but I can work around that pretty good. I mean, we deal with that all the time, and mm -hmm. you know, if you design stages for a living, it's it's not too hard, man. You just you punch a hole in the wall that's totally useless, and you would never want to go there. But as long as you can see a couple of those targets from there. Right. You know, you're you're abide, you're abiding by the requirements. So I'm not so I'm not worried about that so much. It'll be uh, I'm not. It's, they're not going to be. You know, we're not going to do 50, 60 round stages, nothing like that. Um, but we'll we'll have plenty of you know plenty around. I thought I thought the Palooza was pretty good. I think the biggest round count we had was like 41 or 42 or something. Most were, you know, high 20s to mid 30s, and uh, I thought that that went out went out pretty well, flowed pretty well. Um, I got all cocky and went into a 30, 32 or 33 round stage with my 41 round Taylor freelance and that wasn't enough. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I used my 57 the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. But it'll be a good match. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, things like a, a, a low position, a, a prone position. That that just screws your 57 round mag right in the face. So yep. you know a lot of a lot of interesting things you can do with PCC that you can't do with pistol, and you know you could force decisions and positions and and stuff that uh, wouldn't otherwise come into play. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be cool. Well, 
as I've shot many of your matches and, and, and many of the stages you've designed, I know you will provide a technical challenge whenever possible. Yeah, you better be able to hit stuff. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, Steve, you got anything else you want to ask Shannon? Uh, I guess the follow-up to the steel challenge stuff a little bit, you, you know, I don't, I haven't followed your career that closely. I, I missed you last year. I think you may have shot on Friday and I shot on Saturday at, uh, over at Jeff's match, but do you shoot much steel challenge anymore or not? Or was that the last time you shot a major type type steel challenge match that, or? Yeah, that probably was the last major. Um, I don't man. And I don't know if this is the reason why, but I'll tell you one of the reasons why. I uh, I really like Steel Challenge. I think it's awesome. We shoot it out at our range every week and then once a month as well. I use it at every class I teach. We always go hit Steel Challenge for um, largely transitions, even if it's a tactical class. And, you know, if the student is not at all interested in competition, we still always shoot Steel Challenge uh, just because it works the transition aspect. Sure. And then obviously your your fundamentals as well. Uh, I enjoy the game. The, the The biggest reason I don't shoot it is I think it takes so much time to uh, be competitive. Yeah. So if I was going to go, if I was going to go to the nationals again, which I I will when they at some point, but it, it takes a a lot of time, and a lot of ammo, a whole lot of ammo, yeah. for for me to feel comfortable, uh, like I'm doing myself justice to come in there and compete. And not that I wouldn't just go shoot it for fun, because I would. I mean, just match, I went and shot with, with no practice and had a great time. But, you know, I'm such a competitor. I need to feel like I'm going to be prepared. And uh, I just don't know that I have the time to, to be at that level of preparedness uh, to go. And again, not to say I wouldn't go shoot. The other thing on that note, and this is going to sound a little defeatist, but it's just fact uh, you know, I never go into something where I don't feel like I have a chance to win. Sure. I'm not a dumb guy. And I know, you know, I knew going into the world shoot, if I were a betting man, which I am, you know, I would not have bet on myself. But that doesn't mean I don't feel like I have a chance. Like, I, I knew I had a chance to win. You know, going to the Nationals here in a couple of weeks, same thing. If I was a betting dude, man, like, all honesty, you know, we're two hours outside of Vegas, like, I would not bet on me. But... <laughs> I'm totally capable of winning. You know, I beat JJ this year. You know, I, there's nobody out there I haven't beat this year. And, but still challenge is a different animal, man. Um, Casey and Max and BJ are on a different level, like yeah. totally different level. You know, they shoot times in a world championship that I've never, ever, ever come close to in practice. So while I always feel like I have a chance, you know, when I'm going to there, I don't have a freaking chance. Like there's no way <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch these guys. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot in the seventies. So, um, you know, not that that's why I don't go. Cause it's not, I mean, I know I'm fighting for fourth when I go, when I go to steel nationals, but, um, uh, you know, to be truthful, that's, that's certainly part of it. Like it's just not my game. You know, I can, I can go out there and hang my own and, uh, you know, top five, top six, but, uh, I don't have a chance to win against those dudes. They're just, they're crazy, man. They're crazy. And, and you, Shannon, man, the times are getting faster and faster and faster. And I don't shoot a lot of center fire besides PCC, but, you know, Ron Oliver and 
Jeff and a couple other folks, we like to reminisce at every uh, U.S. Steel shooter at the World Speed Shooters. Yeah, remember when I uh, broke 70 the first time? That was like a world friggin' record shooting rimfire rifle open. And and now this year, <laughs> if you shot like a 69-99 rimfire rifle open, you weren't even in the top 10 or top 15. And uh, oh, PCC, wow, really? oh yeah, PCC, oh, yeah. a couple years ago, it was probably two years ago, I set the fastest time shot at a major match at a 67.59 and I shot a 66 and some change out in uh, out in area two in PCC and you know the fastest times there are right in that 65 low 66s and you know every year it's just getting quicker and quicker and quicker there's a kid on our team not an old guy like Jeff and myself Chris Barrett he's probably going to be if he's not going to be the first he's he's close to to breaking into the high 59s he shot man he's shot three or four matches that are local matches eight stage matches in uh you know 60 point something and man that's with any kind of gun that's that's just blazing fast and and makeups you know you, you can't yeah you almost have to shoot a perfect match and yeah it's the times are just coming coming down and keep coming down and well some of that's good though for the sport because there's you know it's more popular and it's growing popularity as you mentioned the last couple couple of years a lot more people are into it and you know i'm having to work a lot harder to, to to fend off some of these kids but i think it's good for the sport overall sure and that, you know when i when i was competing and there we didn't have all the room fire stuff you know I mean, you had 22 pistol but um you know none of the rifles none of the pcc none of the the 22 rifles. So, you know, I, I'm no familiarity with that in terms of what's good and, you know, where times need to be. Everybody knows the, the stories and the, and the standards and the, the droppings of time in the, in the center fire stuff. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be the same type of legacy type stuff in the, in the rifles. Yeah. But, um, I'm just not that, that familiar with it, but yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I think divisions are popular and, bringing new people into the shooting sports, you know, whether they ever play in USPSA or come to it or not, whatever you're bringing more people into the shooting sports and, and more people into the gun world. And, um, uh, hopefully those kids will still have to go get a job at some point and they won't have money to buy 22 ammo. <laughs> Preach brother. <laughs> you guys can we stay don't... competitive for another couple of years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, Shannon, you, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, you weren't really sure what the, what surged up the, the steel challenge and you know i think it's really it's been it's been pcc rimfire rifle um and an increased uh people wanting to shoot just the the rimfire pistol um if you look at the last couple of years major matches u.s steel world speed shoot half the match as far as guns is comprised of those three divisions so that's crazy six, yeah. yeah 650 guns at the uh, world speed shoot last year and and 340 of them were pcc rimfire rifle or rimfire pistol um, well you know why jeff we may have had this discussion before do you know why it's fun to hit <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly exactly, exactly why <laughs> and it's it, there's nothing wrong with that you know but that that's that's for that's for damn sure the reason and you know, that's why carry optics was catching on. That's why PCC's killing it in USPSA. It's like, it's funner to hit stuff, man. And it's harder to hit stuff with an iron sided pistol. And that's a hundred percent why. And there's nothing, again, nothing at all in the world wrong with that. I like to hit shit too. 
yeah. but uh, but that's why, man. Well, you, I mean, you've you've you worked your steel mail challenge uh, matches and, and run them and all that. And you get somebody new out there and they're like, oh, I just got my new Glock or my new Smith and Wesson, and they come out there and they completely get demoralized. Uh, you know, roundabout's pretty easy, smoke and hope's pretty easy, but they get on pendulum and they're like. I just went through a full mag and I didn't hit a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you look at him, yep. like, do you, you have a 22? You'll enjoy this game a lot more with a 22. It's a lot of fun, you know, less recoil, you know, and put a dot on it and, and come out here and have some fun. And, and, you know, I shot rimfire pistol for like 15 months exclusively. And it was great because it, I learned how to go fast with that gun and then started applying it to all the other guns that I shoot. Um, and then of course, then I got into center fire and then it's a whole, you know, whole different ball of wax where I actually have to draw this gun. I don't get to start from low ready. <laughs> this is, <laughs> right. I, you know, I mean, and, and that's, that's right. for, for me, that's been the resurgence for me. In my well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, on a, on a philosophical level of the sport, we were, um, you know, we did stay home today. Uh, school, my wife's a teacher and school was closed and daycare is closed. So. We stayed around here, did nothing basically, but we watched John Wick three, which I hadn't seen yet. And it was on Netflix or Amazon or something. And, you know, I often say that and when about the time I'm running Smoke and Hope with one of my tactical classes and they're missing a eight yard, eighteen by twenty four twenty four inch target. It's like, you know, that's why this game is never gonna be popular. We know we're never gonna have Budweiser money, we're never gonna be a spectator sport. Because people go out there and watch John Wick, and they're like, all right, well, you clearly never miss anything inside of 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they've never done it. Yeah. And when you go out there and do it, and, you know, I see that every day with, with my classes. Again, competitors know, but especially the, the, the government classes and the tactical guys, and, you know, they're, they're bad at uh, seven yards on a full-size paper. But we get out there on Steel Challenge, and like you said, you, you know, even roundabout. But, I mean smoke and, and uh, outer limits and you hit any of these things, any of these stages and the clock's on, their buddies are watching and there's no shit anymore, you know, there's no paper targets, like you know whether they hit or not, just like you said, pressure's on and boom, that's when it falls apart, man, it's, you know, competition shooters are so much better and they're on such a different level, uh, but I found them to be pretty humble too because they know, like, you know, I, I can miss 18 by 24 on smoke and hope as fast as anybody in the world. <laughs> but I could, I could hit it a lot of times too. And it's just, yeah. but you understand, you understand yeah. the difficulty level of this game and the speeds at which people are seeing stuff and processing stuff and, and moving the gun around. And uh, you, you might be talking me in to get a 22 rifle. Cause I've never, I've never shot this game with a 22 uh, rifle before. So I have to try that. Well, I, I know you're training, but I'm going to, I'm going to be there Saturday and, uh, I'll, I'll throw mine in the back of the van. And if you're around, uh, we'll break it out. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love the PCC. Um, and, uh, and Steve shoots in both and Steve shoots in both really fast. It's, it's actually funny. I actually think I shoot my PCC better than I shoot the rimfire rifle. And we've actually had that discussion yeah. on, on, on why that is, but, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, and, and again, if you, if, you know, if you go out there, yes, you're, you're an extreme competitor. I think we're all competitors. Most people drawn to the shooting sports tend to be a type and, and they want to win and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you can get out there and just go, you know, I'm competing steel challenge is a great sport too, where you're saying I'm competing for myself because it's the same stages every time 
within, you know, uh, uh, reason, you know, uh, the pendulum might be one that's not perfect, but they're set up generally the same way. And you can gauge how well you're doing. And so you can go out yeah. and get beef, but you got better because you know what you shot before and you know what you just shot now. Um, that's a great point. That's a great yeah, point. And I, yeah. I tell that to everybody as well. It's like, um, most people you talk to in the shooting sports either love steel challenge or hate steel challenge. And it's both for the same reason that it's always the same. Right. But I tell her, I tell everybody like, you know, that's why I like it. Cause if I go out here today and shoot 85 and I come back tomorrow and shoot 84, well, that's gooder. If I shoot 87, well, that's suckier. So, you know, steel, steel doesn't lie. And you know, you know where you stand. And, and on that note, you can look back, I don't know exactly when they change the stages last, but I mean, you could look back 10 years, eight years for sure. Yeah. And, you know, compare your times to the best in the world and, and know where you stand. So yeah, that, that's a good point. All right. Well, Shannon, great talking with you. Uh, I don't know if I'll see you this weekend, but I will be out there. Uh, I'm going to come to your match. I've got to get, uh, keep the practice up. Um, Steve, give out that, uh, give out our, uh, What's it called? Coupon code. Yeah, that's it. Give out our coupon code. <laughs> yeah, use coupon ST podcast 10 for 10% off at Range Store. Shannon, thanks so much. I know you had uh, other ways that you could have spent the last hour with us. I really appreciate you taking time, and uh, good luck at your next match, and hopefully I get to see you again soon sometime. My pleasure, guys. Enjoyed it. I'll come back anytime. You guys have a good night. All right, All right thanks, man. See you. Good night.